And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Football League Show Thursday edition. Luton get their groove back. Derby are back in the black, points-wise. And Nottingham Forest scored three times in one game. Longer than a Max Power own goal. Crisper than an Alex Mowit volley. This is the Totally Football League Show in association with Paddy Power. Hi, listener. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. Hopefully, you'll find a quantum of solace on this week's podcast. With me, it's the man with the golden gunner's analysis, former Arsenal winger Adrian Clark. Hello, uh, and also a man who's probably thinking never say never again after the amount of podcasts he's been on this week. It's Super Sam Parkin. Hello, Matthew. Hello. Uh, just for clarity, there, Abby introductions. I'm not a Bond guy at all. Um, just totally pointless, isn't it? I mean, I'll give you a spoiler <laughs> alert for the new film. Bond wins, same as every other one. Why bother? <laughs> I'm, I'm kind anyway. of with you. I'm, no, I'm with yeah. you on that. James Bond, it, it's never floated my boat. I can sit through it. I can kind of enjoy it. But at the end of it, it's just a bit. Yeah, I don't know. No, I'm, 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 I'm with you. Sam's nodding. Sam, well, it passes the time, doesn't it? Although my favourite character is probably Jaws from any James Bond movie, so that probably sums it up, doesn't it? You know, he didn't win, <laughs> did he? No, he didn't. Anyway, if you're going to go and see it this weekend, do have a nice time. Uh, we should probably start talking about football, though. Coming up, we're speaking with Wickham manager Gareth Ainsworth. First, though, quite a lot happened in midweek. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, loads to go at from these midweek games then. Uh, a couple of headlines. West Brom battered beleaguered Cardiff. They go top. Bournemouth drop points against Posh. Derby have made 20 members of staff redundant as a result of their administration. Steve McLaren's also stepped down as technical director. Nigel Pearson's tested positive for COVID. In League One, Sunderland back on top. They crushed Cheltenham. Wigan lost at home to Chef Wed. Ipswich ended their wait for a home win in emphatic fashion. And it's really not looking good for Adkins at the Addicts after Bolton thumped Charlton on their own patch. Uh, Clarky, I'll let you have first go. What, what's caught your eye from these games on Tuesday and Wednesday? I don't think we can ignore the Tractor Boys. Finally clicking into gear. What a win. I, I know that they've faced a really out-of-sorts Doncaster side that have been unexpectedly rubbish this season. But but look, it, it's no mean feat, is it, to, to score six goals, especially when the pressure is on. And yeah, I thought it was a, a brilliant performance. Some some great goals in there. Uh, Bersant Salina, good to see him back, sort of shining, playing in behind McCauley Bond. He was involved in quite a few of the games. And yeah, may, maybe just maybe Cookie's found the right blend. It's It must be so hard when you've got an embarrassment of riches to to work out what, what your best team is and, and, and who to even have on the bench. But... But look, surely on the back of a great team performance, it'll be same again at the weekend. Cook, blend, nice, like that a lot. Um, Sam, 
loads to go at from both leagues. What was it that, that really caught caught your attention other than QPR getting back to winning ways? I thought that Luton's win was maybe the most surprising. Um, you know, League One and, and the Championship, there was some heavy beating, some big scorelines. But I thought that one, considering no one's done that to Coventry, and how uh, limp, I suppose, uh, Luton were in front of goal at, at Bournemouth at the weekend. So I think that's a real tonic for the two front men in particular, Adebayo and Cornick, both to get braces, you know, to, to give them the belief really in the championship that they can score freely as a, as a partnership. I thought the intensity in the first half um, was unbelievable, stopped that really good um, commentary back three from being able to play into midfield. So... Yeah, that that one that one was a, a big win and into the top half now. So, you know, maybe maybe this could be the year that we do get a real surprise runner at those playoffs. Uh, Adrian, I want to talk about the, the West Brom Cardiff game because mm. Mick McCarthy put what four, five centre halves on the pitch after what had happened to to them at Blackburn at the weekend. Didn't make much of a difference defensively. No, I, I think it was counterproductive. I really do. I think that if you if you put players into positions where they're not comfortable and you put them up against a really good team, then it's kind of asking for trouble. I get it. Five big guys at the back. It's It will help you defend set pieces, long throws, etc. But you've got to have an outlet and you've got to play inside the opposition half. I think that's the key against West Bromwich Albion is to get the ball into their half. Now, whether that's going missing the press and going long, getting it up there, playing percentage football of your own to go and test their defence, or being bold enough to to sometimes play through the lines and look after the ball. But he didn't pick a team that, that was ever going to look after the ball in this game. It was a really sort of functional starting eleven that only, in effect, had two forward players in Giles and Collins. And, and Giles, really... Has been a wing back, so you, you could make the argument that he picked ten defensive players and James Collins for this game. I mean, Bakuna sort of fits in between. <sighs> yeah, they, they were never going to score goals in the game playing playing that way, in, in my opinion. So, yeah, if he could have another go at it, I think Mick would would pick a different starting eleven. They also made a load of basic mistakes again, switching off for two quick free kicks making a mess of it inside the, their own box as well. So, yeah, bad times for, for Cardiff um, and, and the locals not loving it, by all accounts. Yeah, you wonder how much longer Mick McCarthy's got left there. But, uh, yeah, well worth another mention for that Alex Mowat goal, which was absolutely Oh, what a, goal, what a ping. Mowat on the volley. Oh, my goodness. What a spectacular goal that is. What a screamer that was by me. It was McGinn-like. Would you remember McGinn scoring one like that in the championship? I think Sam will. He, yeah, absolute worldie. But yeah, he couldn't have hit that sweet. That was, that was brilliant. Felt like a significant week uh, at the top of League One, Sam. Sunderland with the, the crushing win against Cheltenham and, and Wigan having lost. And, and Sunderland now three points above Wigan and third place MK. But they've got a, a game in hand on most of the playoff pack. Do you think we might see a bit of a gap starting to open up between the Black Cats and the rest? Um, probably not because I think there's some really strong teams in in that pack. I don't think Wigan will fall away after one uh, result where Sheffield Wednesday did a bit of a job on them. But yeah, again, a bit of a statement victory just because they're totting them up, I suppose, at the Stadium of Light and we've become, we've grown so accustomed to them 
balls and up really at home. Um, and again, to sound a bit repetitive, nobody really does that to Cheltenham. Um, you know, they've been so stingy, I suppose, defensively. It was a comfortable win for Wigan at the weekend, but, you know, I wouldn't have looked at that game and, and felt that it had been such a gulf between the two sides. I thought it probably would have been a tight affair. Sunderland, yes, to win it. But yeah, they, they've got some players banging form at the moment throughout the side and none more so than Ross Stewart, who helped himself to a couple more goals. And, you know, having spoken to David Priest early in the week, you know, I can be even more emphatic about this chap now. He he looks like a a brilliant centre forward at League One level. So they're going brilliantly. Uh, Sam, you're a big Scott Twine guy, particularly the treble that he bagged in midweek. Tell us more. Well, you're looking at this now, this this lad who's gone into MK Dons and ripping it up. And you've got to question why a championship club didn't take him. And I, I mean a, a top championship club at that as well. Um, because he gives you a ridiculous threat from set pieces. His, his goal scoring from outside the box is so consistent. And I don't know if you... To have got your favourite hat trick of all time, but this is probably got in my top five now. Um, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Alex Cairns chucks the second one in. That said, uh, is moving around the the strike all over the place. But great individual one for the first cuts in off the left, and the third is as good a free kick you'll see um, in the in the third tier. So he looks like oh, I know he's a really special talent, and delighted for him. My favourite hat trick, by the way, Michelle. Mm. Remember it, Spain v South Korea, nineteen ninety <laughs> World Cup. There you go. <laughs> the only one um, I can think of, Clark, is Robbie Fowler against Arsenal. That four. Oh one, come on! No come Forest on. player scored a hat trick for about fifteen years, but he got two. He got two hat tricks against Arsenal. One uh, in did? the daytime. He, uh, I was on the bench when he got the second hat trick. I was warming up, and the Scousers absolutely battered me the whole game. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't. I, I don't. Yeah, I didn't come on. But um, yeah, I just remember it because they just ripped me. Um, but because it was Anfield, I just wanted to warm up the whole game. Like I just wanted to be out there like I felt like I was part of it. So so yeah, that was that. But no, my favourite hat-trick is Daly and Atkinson. Check it out on YouTube against, I think, Middlesbrough for Ipswich back in the 80s, late 80s. Just unbelievable. I was there and uh, yeah, you never forget hat-tricks like that. Right, whilst we're on League One, uh, let's get to a brief conversation I had with the Wickham manager. Marginal Gainsworth, if you will. Well, Gareth, big win on Tuesday at Shrewsbury. You tucked in sixth place with a game in hand on the three teams above you. You pleased, therefore, with your start to life back in League One? Yeah, definitely. You know, and uh, and as you mentioned, being in sixth place, I think keeps us under that radar as well. Um, it's it's great, you know, because um, we were Championship last year. Um, but we're still Wickham Wanderers and we are still this small team that everyone thinks of as, as being tucked in there and maybe maybe you know Wickham are massively overachieving. Um, I said to the boys before the game the other night, I think we've got the best squad in the league, I really do. I'm, I'm really pleased about what I've been able to bring in. All in all, it's been a very positive start and I'm pleased to, uh, I'm pleased to be sitting in that, in that top bunch because that bunch is about 11 teams, believe me, 12 teams that I think are all capable of, of finishing in the top two this year in League One. Yeah, it's an incredibly stacked division. You mentioned about the, the depth and, and quality of your squad. Is that is that something that you've kind of had to readjust to because you're not necessarily used to working with, with a, a huge squad in, in previous years? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, we've always gone slim uh, and I think we, we, we've we always sort of been around the 23, 24 mark uh, 
this year I'm, I'm, I'm right up there at the 30 mark with this development squad that we've been able to put together thanks to, to Rob and Pete Coeig and, and their investment and their dreams of a, of a production of, of younger players coming through you know it's not an academy and it never will be because uh, they, they're a million miles away from this, this development team model but the, the squad depth now is, is, is brilliant but as a manager and all managers will tell you and uh, I was lucky enough to speak to um, to Pep Guardiola in, uh, in in our in our League Cup tie the other week, and uh, and he's got the same problems. You know, he, he's talking to me about le- the players you leave out the team. You know, sometimes how do you manage them? And 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 it was really interesting that right through the levels, that is the issue. You know, it's that balance of you want all the best players, but you can only play eleven of them. So when these best players start getting a little bit annoyed and a little bit peeved that they're not playing, then they then don't become the best players. They, they become lesser players. And, and it's a real balancing act that I think, you know, I've I've managed to get right over the years. And hopefully again, this season, I remember in pre-season and, and at the start of the season, we were talking about myself, my head of sports science, my head of medical, my assistant manager, all about the numbers that we were going to bring in. And I think on their side, especially the medical staff and the sports science staff, they want maybe one or two more players because they, they um, they see the players as a group and and picking the best eleven from the group. They're not the ones who have to who have to manage the ones who aren't in the team. So I have to balance their want of a little bit bigger squad with my management of the team and my my faith in my sports science and medical department. How many they can keep fit? How many they, you know? So it was a big stat thing about how many we have kept fit, how many we've worked on over the past previous five years. We went into depth of looking at the past previous five squads over the years and uh, and how many injuries we had, how many how how improved we've become, and uh, and all these things came into getting maybe one more than usual. But the depth, what I'm talking about, is the standard of the player now. You know, you look at the bench on Tuesday night and you got Adebayak in Femme, Gareth McCleary, Daryl Horgan, David Wheeler, Dominic Gate wasn't even in the team. Um, Anis Mehmeta, the young protégé, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure to have missed one out there. Sorry. Uh, Jordan Obita, he's played Premier League. So um, we've we've got this depth now that um, the bench will, will show you what strength you have in the first team. And... Uh, and I'm really proud of that. But again, it's managing all the all the players, all the egos, all the all the team spirit that people talk about. It's my job to manage that as much as the tactics, as the way we play, as the who signs, what we do, when do we travel, when do we not travel, all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, many caps on this job, but um, love it as always. You mentioned Pep Guardiola there. Did, did you manage to have much of a chat with him last week? You know, what? I, the the best the best stories. Um, I. I wanted to take him something, so I, uh, um, I mean, how this this lad from Blackburn, I pinch myself sometimes, I really do, and I will never take one day for granted. So what I wanted to do was go there and say, look, I'm. This isn't lip service. I am genuinely humbled to be on the same pitch as somebody like you. I think you, I think he's done an amazing job. I thought he was an amazing player and to manage the teams he's managed to win what he's won. I just thought, wow. So I wanted to take him a bottle of wine <laughs> now. I'm, uh, I was doing some research on the internet thinking what, what wine does he drink and th- there was rumours that he, he likes his red wine and he's drunk bottles from £500 to £3,000 I'm thinking <laughs> I don't know what to do here so I just thought you know what just be yourself Gareth took him a bottle of Spanish wine um, and after the game he could not have been better he, he invited me into his office um, and I, again this bottle of wine said Pep it's a pleasure to meet you and thanks for inviting me in and I looked on his table and there's 
six bottles of red wine that are probably a hell of a lot more expensive than the bottle of wine that I brought in. <laughs> but he opened one of his um, uh, and and we shared it. And uh, and it, we had some a, a couple of glasses of wine together and talking about all the all the things that football entails. And then at the end, he gave me one of his bottles of wine and I thought, as transfer deals go, I think I've got the best deal here. So I walked out with uh, with one of his bottles of wine, and uh, and that experience honestly will stay with me forever. You know, we asked him for a photo at the end. He don't do that to opposition managers, but but I did, and we had a photo in his <laughs> office. And uh, and it's it's probably in football, it's the closest I've ever been to uh, to being sort of overawed. Um, I've definitely had, I had a photo with Slash from Guns and Roses once, and that's. You know, that's probably my my ultimate. Um, but um, that's who I am. You know, the 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 rock and roll star. But um, it was uh, it was brilliant that um, that Pep had those moments for me and could have easily have just said no, we don't want to see Wickham or we don't. Just the 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 humility of the man is is special. And I think that we're very privileged to have people like him in our country in our game. Um, the characters that we've got at the top. It was it was awesome. Really, really was. Excellent, yeah, and, and the fact that he didn't give you your own bottle of wine back means that it must have been half decent at least. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm hoping, or, or maybe he's just as humble as me and thought, I can't kill this guy. So. <laughs> uh. Uh, you, you mentioned the music there. We, we've had Joe Jacobson on the pod a couple of times and, and he's told us that you're in charge of the music at the gym. What are you putting on at the moment to get the boys going in the morning? Do you know what? He says I'm in charge. Joe's Joe's doing his manager um, a praise there because I'm not. I get in first. That's the uh, that's the key thing. So I get in first before any of the boys, and I still pride myself in keeping fit. Um, so when I'm on, when I'm in, I get control. There's a there's a Bluetooth connection facility to our to our, our to sound system in the gym, and uh, so when I get on it, it, it could be anything from uh, from Motley Crue to to Guns N' Roses to Bob Dylan to any any of the classic rock sort of stuff. I'm a big '80s hair rock fan, you know. Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, even a bit of Bon Jovi, and that will go on now and again. I'm I'm not too pained to admit, but only the early stuff, by the way. Um, so <laughs> he uh, he um, they come in, the boys come in. The other day was great. The boys come in, and I don't know if you know Van Halen Jump. You know that song. Of was course, la- yeah. everyone knows Van Halen and obviously he died recently so I was paying a bit of tribute to Eddie Van Halen and uh, and it, it, it I think it, I think it was after the Sunderland defeat and the boys come in on a, on a, on a Monday morning and Van Halen jumps blasting out I'm I'm pumping away and chin-ups and everything in the gym full of energy and, and I honestly think the boys even though they might not smile and join in singing, I think there's a little smile on the inside thinking, do you know what? It isn't that bad. Uh, and that's that's me. You know, music's so important to me and it can change everyone's mood. Everyone who's, who reads this or listens to this will know that you put a good song on, I don't care how down you're feeling, how bad it is, you put one of your songs on, what you class as your song, and it takes you back to that place and, and it just lifts the mood and it really does and I think that music's so powerful really really do and uh, and obviously I'm, I'm in it and, and mum was a singer and, and I've grown up with things like that but um, it was uh, it was one of those moments where I thought you know what I'm so I'm so glad the time this just as that song's on and just as they're coming in it was uh, it was one of those moments where you think you know what life isn't that bad <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that leads me nicely on to, to my final question. Producer Abby is calling this Wickham Dine With Me. We want to know three rock legends, dead or alive, that you would be having dinner with uh, if, oh, you, if you wow. got the chance. I'm guessing Jim Morrison will be one. Jim Morrison, without a doubt. When I, I grew up in the, I'm, I'm 17, 18 years old when the film Oliver Stone film came out the doors, and uh, and just before that I was hooked on Morrison, and then up into his Paris, to his grave, to to um, where he grew up in in Florida and, and California, you know. So, uh, big big uh, big fan of uh, of Jim Morrison. So I think uh, I think he'd be one. Oh wow, three! You're killing me here. Um, <laughs> uh, listen, my. Ah, oh, oh, this is hard. My son's middle name is Presley. So uh, my son's called Kane Presley Ainsworth. So not after Harry Kane, but it's the same spelling. But definitely <laughs> after definitely after Elvis Presley, and it's the same spelling, and Ainsworth at the end. So he's uh, he's got to be in there. Obviously, I can't name my son after uh, probably the king of rock and roll. And uh, and do you know what? This is this is hard. Wow. Um, <laughs> You've really got me. Yeah. Um, there's so many good ones, you know. There's so many good ones. Mick Jagger. Jagger might, you've always liked the Jagger swagger yeah. on, on stage, haven't you? I think Mick Jagger might have to be in there. You know what? Just as an inspiration, that I, I think you can go on forever. I really do. So I think Mick Jagger <laughs> would have to be in there. Um, I've got I've got two dead ones, and then one who who just seems like he's going to outlive everyone. So that's a good mix, I think, and uh, and that yeah. will uh, that'll do me without a doubt. Well, it sounds like a fun dinner party. Gareth, thanks so much for your time today. Good luck against Morecambe on Saturday and for the rest of the season. Thanks a lot. Take care, everyone. Gareth Ainsworth, the Bruce Springsteen of Wickham, i.e. the boss. Uh, ask your parents, kids. Clucky, they got Morecambe at Adams Park on Saturday. I mean, we've seen Morecambe do pretty good stuff in the division so far. So a potential banana skin, but Wickham do look in a good moment, if I can use that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yellow card. But yeah, they do. Um, yeah, I mean, home form's very strong, isn't it, for, for Wickham? They definitely look like playoff playoff material. Got players that... that yeah, the squad. When you look at the squad, when you look at the squad that went up, it was a big surprise, wasn't it? You thought, well, they really overachieved with that group of players. But now, when you look at what Gareth Ainsworth has got at his disposal, you you think actually that's that's a really strong League One squad, and I would I'd expect them to be in and around the playoff picture. So yeah, no, they'll be favourites, of course they will. But but more come on on that counter. Are, um, yeah, they're, they're dangerous and. Cole Stockton, a little bit like Ross Stewart, is just on fire, isn't he? Everything he touches seems to turn to to goals at the moment. So, yeah, they'll have to concentrate Wickham in this one, even though I make them, you know, good favourites. Sam, in the chat, Gareth told us that that he thinks that Wickham have got the best squad in League One this season. A, would you agree with that? And B, is that the kind of thing that a manager says to appease players who maybe aren't getting (laughs) as many minutes as they would like? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Putting me on the spot there, uh, I probably wouldn't say it's as strong as Wiggins. Um, I'd probably take them over Wickham to throw one club at you. But Ipswich, Ipswich, yeah. And but I get, I know what he's getting at because it's probably the strongest squad that he's had. You know, they lost a few obviously last year. Loneys who were brilliant in the championship, but I think. You know, I maybe did them a little bit of a disservice the other week. I think I referred to them against Milton Keynes, Dons as beauty against the beast, which 
I think the stats probably back it up in terms of they still play long balls and still very successful from set pieces, but they have got quality players now in the forward positions. Maybe, you know, McCleary being the obvious one in that, you know, really good technicians. So they have the option of playing to feet and, and conjuring goals a different way than we've probably grown accustomed to seeing Wickham score. So I think that's probably what he's getting at. They've, they, they've probably got better players that can handle the football better than anything they've had before. All right, that's League One. We'll look ahead to some championship games next. So, Mr. Biasa, what's troubling you? Well, Doctor, my translator is constantly undermining me. Last week, I told everyone to take five and get an ice cream, but he told them to run laps and practice their shooting. Sometimes it seems they don't know what they're doing, but with Paddy Power, you always know you're getting top draw rewards. If one leg of your bet builder on a football game lets you down, get your money back as a free bet. Paddy Power. Pretty much bet builder bets only max free bet £10 per day. Excludes enhanced match odds. Min four plus legs, min odds one fifth per leg. Online exclusive T's and C's apply. 18 plus becomeaware.org. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The early kickoff on Saturday is at the Coventry Building Society Arena. A natty name for a football ground, that is. A surprise package, Coventry City welcoming, not very surprised package, Fulham, who went above Cov in midweek. Uh, Sam mentioned it earlier, Adrian. What on earth happened to Coventry at Luton on Wednesday night? 5-0? Just unbelievable. Yeah, they were just blown away, weren't they? And, and that can happen in in matches, particularly on the road. If you don't start right and you're not fully at it and the other team are really on you and, and that they've got powerful, pacey players, and Luton have got those, then, then, then you can get swept aside. And I think that's what happened. Fulham will offer a very different kind of threat, won't they? They're probably on more cultured side. I don't mean that disrespectfully to Luton, who who were awesome on in that particular game. But yeah, it'll be a different type of challenge, more of a sort of normal football match, where you know we'll knock it around, you'll knock it around, and we'll see we'll see how we go. So yeah, I don't expect them to get to get battered again. <laughs> and when you have been spanked like that, it does refocus minds. So, yeah, I'd imagine that Mark Robbins will, will, will focus really hard on the back three uh, and the wing backs and the central midfielders in this game as he prepares it anyway. So, yeah, no back down to earth with a big bump. you just got to hope from a sky blue perspective that, that confidence hasn't been dented too much. But they were brilliant in their last home game against Peterborough. They've been excellent in all of the home games. You know, the perfect record. Um, and they've got one of the best or most informed strikers in Jokeres up top as well. So look, I give them a fighting chance to to bounce back with a positive result, um, whether they'll beat Fulham or not. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I'll be tipping too many teams to beat Fulham uh, on the podcast this season. Uh, as for Fulham, comfortable three-one win at home to Swansea for them in midweek. Sam, I'm sure that that Mitro hat trick made you your top five hundred all-time hat tricks. So <laughs> is, is he a bit of a, a championship cheat code? I mean, it's it's bizarre. He's one of these players who lives in that vortex of too good for the championship, not good enough for the Premier League. 
Yeah, he, de- he definitely is that. Um, he's relentless at, at this uh, level. You know, he has been the last couple of occasions. I, I suppose it's getting the support cast uh, right for um, Silver at, at the moment. I think that's maybe where they've just been um, falling short in recent weeks. I mean, it was one win in five in, in all competitions before this. So that they needed this victory. And I thought Cabano coming in w- was excellent. I think that was only his fourth start, got himself an assist. Still a bit of a question mark with Carvalho missing who's the best number 10 right now. So that's a conundrum for the manager moving forward. But yeah, the run's not been brilliant recently, but I think the performances have been good. I mean, they've still been consistent. The amount of shots they've been rattling in. I mean, they, they, they've done enough to win 10 games over the last kind of three or four games. I think 25 shots against Reading, 22 shots at Bristol City. It was kind of a a matter of time I think before they got back to winning ways they're pretty good defensively um, but this will be a really good game as Clarky says two of the, the the three best average shots per game it should be a really nice um, encounter and and I think Fulham you know last night against Swansea it, it's a different way to win isn't it playing on the counter-attack a team that dominates the ball so in the long run, that's probably done them some good because there's going to be a lot of times this year where they've got to probe and try and break down a deep line defence. And that was something a bit different last night and they, they came through with flying colours. Yeah, I think what helped Fulham in this game, or Mitrovic in particular, was that, that Cole Norton, and I, it, it was just a bit of a mismatch in terms of power and strength inside the box. It just seemed like it was a, a giant up against a midget, but you know what I mean? It was physically, they, they were not, anywhere near the, near similar and and I, I, I've just always felt that Carl Norton even though he can do a job in a back three I, I think he's a nat, more of a natural fullback and yeah that that definitely played into the hands when you look at the goals that they scored I think up against a bigger stronger centre half does Mitrovic get that hat trick I, d- I don't think he does uh, this courtesy of the football journalist best friend soccer base this is going to be the first time that these two have played each other since 1983. Prior to that, it was 1968. Coventry's last win against Fulham, 1949. Um, nobody's as impressed at that as I am, but I, I thought it was a point of note. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Luton against Huddersfield on Saturday. Luton back at Kenilworth Road. Uh, Adrian, it was it was back on Monday. We were saying, we, you guys, the experts, were saying there's not much for Luton to be worried about. It, it'll click for them soon enough. Yeah, turns out you know you stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you, you sort of, you, there's two things to look at when you're sort of trying to work out a team. Use your eyes. What do you see? Do you like what you see? And then there is the data and the, and, and the data also backed up what I think me and Sam were seeing with our eyes. And that was that, there's nothing to worry about that, that they've got this a real goal threat and that and Sam pointed it out uh, on the show I think that that they've been hit by defensive injuries and that has definitely hurt them and in this game Sonny Bradley was back in that back three Glenn Ray returned to the starting lineup for the first time this season in, in the sort of midfield role that that holds it all together and and that 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 made, made a big difference in it Gave them the platform to to absolutely whoop Coventry. I mean, it was Sam said it already. Cornick and and Adebayo, just so powerful, so quick, so hardworking, and yeah, it was just intense. It was Nathan Jones. It, this is exactly what he wants. He wants. I, I've always seen Nathan as the kind of coach that wants to sort of play 
the Jurgen Klopp style, sort of fast pressing, high octane football. He wants his teams to be unbelievably fit like he was and to just play with energy like he did really as a, as a player. And yeah, it just came together in, in that game. And they'll look to repeat the trick, I guess, against a Huddersfield team that that score goals, but also concede. I, th- I think this one could be another really exciting game. There's a good clip on the uh, Luton uh, Twitter feed today of uh, Nathan Jones saying that Jordan Clark is the best free transfer in history. Talk about Jordan Clark, who's the best free transfer in history. <laughs> they, they put him up against Messi. Yeah, do that, Messi. Yeah. <laughs> um, Huddersfield, great win for them. We didn't mention it in our midweek chat, but a 3-2 thriller in the War of the Roses against Blackburn midweek. And that's a really good response, having lost their previous two without scoring. Seems to be feast or famine for them at the minute, though, Sam. Last three wins have seen them score four once and three twice. So they're either all in or you don't get anything in terms of goals. Yeah, that's basically what I've got. Move, move on, please, Matt. <laughs> I, haven't got, I haven't got a clue, basically. They're either dreadful or really good as they were in the week. What I will say is they've got obviously some some great talented younger players uh, in the forward area. So I think there's maybe been a slight change in, in the way they're going about things. They, they've never really dominated possession under Corboran, but I think get it into these guys uh, and Sorba Thomas, obviously another two assists. He got a bit lucky, it, it looks, uh, in the week because he took those two off and replaced them with Dwayne Holmes. He's not been brilliant of late and uh, Ollie Turton so quite negative changes really uh, as a as a double change and um, I think basically declaring for the point and um, they get the winning goal uh, three minutes later I think it was after the changes so a bit of good fortune Vallejo by all accounts in there with O'Brien was was good in the absence of Hogg who who's become part of the furniture at Huddersfield and he was only on for I think 56 minutes and he didn't have too many touches but what he did I thought was really proactive and got himself a goal as well so there's a decision for the manager to make does he bring back in Hogg or does he stick with Vallejo but yeah I mean it's uh it's not a season they're going to struggle but I don't think it's a season that they've got enough in depth to threaten the the playoff positions, especially still with a question mark. Yes, he got two goals, Ward, but I'm not sure they're going to have enough of a consistent scorer. Yeah, just just very quickly, I think you just mentioned depth there. They don't, neither team has massive depth for obvious reasons. I think this is the type of fixture they'll both want after a midweek game, if you know what I mean. Whereas if you play in midweek and then you've got a Fulham or you've got one of the bigger teams that were that were able to freshen up their team without weakening it, that can hurt teams like Luton and Huddersfield. They like the weeks where you don't have the midweekers. So, so yeah, I think both these teams will eye up this and, and feel quite confident going in with, with similar starting 11s, I guess. Yeah, both games between them finished 1-1 last season. Huddersfield's last win at Kenilworth Road in League One in 2008 against a Luton side featuring one S. Parkin. Really? Remember it well? No. (laughs) (laughs) 2-1? His reaction would suggest not. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was Um, Mm. 1-0. Anyway, we'll come back to that later. That's all I'll say on that. Uh, Abby, give us some championship odds, please. Yeah, we'll start with that Luton-Huddersfield game. Luton are their favourites here, 11-10. to 10. Uh, Huddersfield and the draw, 
both coming in at 23 to 10. Uh, we see a sort of similar picture with that Coventry-Fulham game, both Coventry and a draw 12 to 5, with Fulham coming in at uh, 21 to 20. But I did, I, we talk about Mitrovic, I sort of looked up, well, there might be some value in there. Anytime goal scorer for Mitro, 6 to 5, could be, could be worth something. Hmm, maybe. Thanks, Abby. Right, League One next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with everything Totally by following us at The Totally Show on Twitter. Let's take a look ahead to a couple of fixtures that caught our eye. Uh, using crew and Cambridge in the same sentence usually conjures up images of scholars racing boats whilst posh people sipping pims watch on. Uh, there'll be absolutely none of that at Gresty Road on Saturday, though, when crew Alexandra welcome Cambridge United. Uh, Sam, crew battened down the hatches at Plymouth on Tuesday, took a point in a one-all draw despite facing 26 shots at their goal. They start the weekend in the relegation zone. Abby says that this feels like a big game for crew. Is she right? Yeah, the type of game that they'll be highlighting that they can take maximum points another really good point I think it was more of a battering at at Rotherham at the weekend this this sounds like they had a really good spell in the first half actually where they maybe could have converted another chance but yeah they're they're conceding a lot of shots they're facing the most shots in the division in fact and they're not much better in that regard going forward I think it's they're averaging the third least shots in the division so as you'd expect, the defenders are being called upon rather a lot. I noted that Thomas and Daniels, most blocks in the division. Uh, Luke Orford, averaging the second most clearances. They're, they're under the cosh a lot. And I think there's mitigating circumstances for that. I think this is a new team that has lost a lot of quality players. I know it's kind of banging the same old drum, but I think that has to come into account. He, he's recruited a number of new players in the in the summer and it may take a little bit of time to... I suppose recognise who the, the the creators are really in this squad and who's going to provide the ammunition for Mandron and and Kashket who got his 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 maiden goal in the week at Plymouth. So having lost Kirk and um, Owen Dale and of course those wonderful fullbacks, um, this is a new team. But I've seen enough from Janil Bennett on loan from Spurs and and I've seen Kane Ramsey previously at Southampton there two really good assets, I think, at, at League One level. So it's going to be a bit of a grind this year, but I think for Artel, you have to remember what he's done previously and just hold far on being too critical. I think they'll have enough to stay in the division, um, but it may be by the skin of their teeth. As for Cambridge, beaten at home by Gillingham midweek and they're investigating an incident which allegedly saw a coin thrown at Jill's keeper, Jamie Cumming. He still has coins. Uh, that loss marked the first time they failed to score in League One this season. Clarky, that and the 12 points from nine games they've got suggest their, their return to Tier 3 is going OK. Yeah, it's going really well, I think. Yeah, I, I expected them to to perhaps go down this season and, and they may still 
get relegated, Cambridge, but, but they've started really, really well. Ironside has, has been great. We've, we've talked him up before. And I think they've been a bit unlucky. The Gillingham game, I think they were the better team. And, they, and they, yeah, the, the XG would suggest that. And on, on that, in terms of what they've conceded, I think they've conceded 12 goals in open play, Cambridge, which is quite a lot. But but the expected goals metric says they should only have conceded six or seven. So so I wouldn't be too disheartened about about the way that they're defending either. For me, they're just too slow when they start games, Cambridge. Um, during that opening half hour, they're the worst team in League One by, by miles. They've scored one goal in the opening half hour and let in seven. It's, it's a shocker. But when they do score first, they, they seem to go on a win. So, so yeah, it's all about kind of getting on the front foot and, and, and maybe getting the opening goal with Cambridge and, and then they can keep those wins rolling in. And yeah, I like I like it. And I, I actually like the signings. I think that the people that have come in this summer have improved them. I think Masterson at the back's been good. Uh, Shiloh Tracy from Spurs out wide, starting to make an impact. Williams settled in really well at right back. So yeah, lots, um, lots to like about Cambridge. And I think they, um, they can get a result. At crew, I really do. The last away game Cambridge had, they won at Fratton Park. Remember, so um, I don't think this will this will worry them at all. You mentioned Ironside there, Adrian, a bit before my time. But where does he rank for you in terms of great TV detectives? Kind of behind Colombo, but ahead of Poirot. <laughs> You've thrown me completely. I can't. Even, who is Ironside? Who's the detective? Uh, he was in a wheelchair, from what I remember. Fairly old fella, went round solving crimes. Nah, don't, don't it doesn't doesn't ring a bell for me. No. I've I've watched too many detective dramas down the years and now they just all sort of merge into one. I can't remember <laughs> any of them. Should I have included uh, Angela Lansbury for her work in Murder She Wrote in, in that bracket, Sam? Uh the pet detective I would have preferred. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that leads us nicely on to Sheffield Wednesday versus Oxford because of course Sheffield Wednesday are known as the Owls. Uh these two meet at Hillsborough, both enjoyed fine minutes. Hang on, how many people have got pet out? Very <laughs> <laughs> many. I applaud what you've tried to do there, Matt. But... Um, one of my friends had a pet owl when, when he was uh, little at his house. But God, let's get on to this game. Sheffield Wednesday, Oxford. Yeah. Uh, big win for them, Sam, against Wigan, as we mentioned. Mm. None in four prior to that. So this ought to be a catalyst for them. Definitely, although coming up against an Oxford team who really rediscovered their goal-scoring form and and they start games brilliantly as well. Um, you know, similar to what Adrian was just talking about, could be the dynamic in the in the previous game. Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday may go behind in this game, but it'll be have to be digging in, staying in. And I just felt against Wigan, he left out Barry Bannon, which that's a big decision, you know, in terms of what he is in League One and obviously for Sheffield Wednesday, when he's on song, he's their conductor, isn't he? So I think that was a, considering who they were playing, very aggressive, strong unit in in Wigan Athletic right now. And I think he tried to match them up and he got it spot on, Darren Moore. You just look at the front players, the energy that Gregory and, and Patterson bring, Hutchison into midfield, real strength through the spine. And I think it got a real energetic performance full of good tempo and I just think for this fixture he may stay with that he may stay with that because the Sheffield Wednesday are going to come up against a lot of sides who don't show much ambition especially at Hillsborough I know this game's away from home but Bannon 
is going to really come to the fore when you've got to play balls through the eye of a needle, etc. So tactically, very good and a much needed victory after something of a wobble. Hadn't won in four. Um, that was really impressive and fascinating to see if they can back it up against another really good League One side. Uh, speaking of teams who got much needed wins, Adrian, Oxford's 5-1 thumping of Accrington on Tuesday comes after they went five without in all comps. Where are they at in terms of, of progress from last season? Because I feel like we, we often have the same sort of conversation about Oxford. Nearly yeah, it's... I don't know. I think the jury's still out. They've got to improve on their away form, haven't they? So matches like this will be the, a good gauge, really, of, of where they're at. Their home form is is pretty good, um, but I think just one one point on the road so far this season. It's a real anomaly as well. In the second half of away games, haven't scored a single goal yet, which is, yeah, which is... It's not a good stat. It's not a great reflection on, on maybe the changes that Carl Robinson's making, on the fitness of the players, on, on even the character of them. So so that's a slight worry. You don't want to be that team that are pretty good at home, but absolute rubbish away. So they need to improve on that. I'm, I'm interested about the team selection here because um, in midfield, they went for Herbie Kane ahead of Alex Gorin in midfield because they wanted to pass the ball better and go on the front foot. Will he do the same in, in, in the game at Hillsborough? So that, that would be interesting, as will Nathan Holland's possible inclusion. I mean, this is how quick... This is the life of a footballer. And I've been there. I'm sure Sam has as well. This is the fine margins. On Saturday, Nathan Holland, who's on loan from West Ham, left winger, didn't make the squad for the Gillingham game. Just left out completely. He's probably on his, on his knees. He's like thinking, what am I doing? might not make it. You know, all sorts of doubts might be creeping into his head. Hopefully they weren't, but he'd have been flat as a pancake. Gavin White's injured. He gets a recall. He actually starts and he scores two goals and he makes an assist. And now it's like you can't leave Nathan Holland out of the side. So that is the life of a footballer. And I just thought I'd flag that up um, because it can change and fluctuate so often. And that's why I think the mental side of being a professional footballer is huge because can you imagine if you're the type of person that gets really disappointed, really elated, really disappointed, it can just send you, send you crazy. Um, so, you know, it can, it can really get to you. Hopefully Nathan's a, a sort of, you know, keeps things on a nice even keel. Um, but yeah, uh, good to see him get his chance and, and do the biz. If you want to find out more about Holland, by the way, you can check out the next Big Thing podcast from The Athletic. Uh, just to clarify that, that is about Nathan Holland, not the country, the Netherlands, sometimes referred to as Holland, uh, which counts Belgium and Germany as its neighbours. Abby, give us some odds on those games, according to Paddy Power, please. You did all that without a map. <laughs> uh, uh, Sheffield Wednesday and Crew, both the home sides are both the favourites in their game so we'll start at Hillsborough Sheffield Wednesday 23-20 to 20, uh, and uh, Oxford are 11-5 with the draw 23-10 to 10, uh, over in Crew. it is 6-5 for backing the home team it is 21-10 for Cambridge and 11-5 for draw uh, we spoke with Gareth Ainsworth earlier and his Wickham side are the heavy favourites against Morecambe 4-7 uh, for the victory for the Chairboys and it is 9-2 for the Shrimpers thanks Abby last stop League 2 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Now then, we haven't spoken much about Newport, but it's fair to say all is not well with the Exiles ahead of their game with Scunthorpe on Saturday. And last season's playoff finalists way down in 15th after their defeat at Barrow, after which boss Mike Flynn said he was absolutely fuming with his players and that they need to learn they're making some very bad mistakes at the minute. Uh, he'd been very vocal in his criticism of his squad, not getting vaccinated after a lot of them went down with COVID, including him himself. Sam, I just feel like this relationship is going a little bit stale between Mike Flynn and, and Newport County. Do you think there's any way that he can refresh it? It's looking difficult. And I think just because, you know, they made such fundamental change to the way they played last year. And I think they adopted it quite well. But then having gone and lost so many players, pivotal players as well, and then tried to replace them this summer, I think 14 new arrivals, some good players, you know, some good names on the face of it, but it's just not happening for them at the moment. And I noticed the the, the average possession is 15th in the league, 47.6% they're averaging, which seems quite low considering the like, the type of football they adopted last season. So I'm beginning to think it's a case of he's brought a load of players in that maybe aren't comfortable or good enough to, to play in this style. That's what it looks like to me. And, you know, aligned with not having a potent front line at the moment, he's going with Alex Fisher, who I think has got decent attributes, but never been a great goal scorer. And Courtney Baker-Richardson right now, when you think of Amund and, and Jamil Matt, as an example of years gone by when they're absolutely flowing, um, the goals that is, this is a bit of a struggle right now. You'd have had this down as a home banker because of a more potent front pairing previously and a really stingy defence. And I mean, that's gone to pot as well. Um, I think they've conceded 13. The last two seasons certainly would have been in the top five defences in the division. So this is a Newport side really short of, of where they have been. And, must win, really. You know, home to Scunthorpe, considering um, how we've uh, all written them off before a ball was kicked. And I think, you know, we've kind of been proven right in a large portion of their performances. They had a couple of results. But, um, yeah, Flynn needs a win here. Yeah, so Scunthorpe may be the ideal opponents, only off the bottom by virtue of goal difference. One win all season. Haven't won away from home since March. But, Clarkie, they might be thinking, well, maybe Newport at home are the ideal opponents for us at the moment. Of course they will, definitely. Um, yeah, and there's a weird anomaly here. Scunthorpe are pretty woeful. They're not, but they're not been good at all. But they're at, they're unbeaten against teams in the bottom half of the division. Um, locked draws, but yeah, all, the only games they've lost are against the, the, the sort of teams that are flying Scunthorpe. So, so maybe we, we've been a little bit harsh on on them. And um, the stats don't lie. Um, I mean, they've had the fewest shots in the division. They're the only team that averaged less than 10 shots a game. They've got the lowest possession, so they don't have much of the ball. And they've got the worst expected goals against from open play. So they're the most vulnerable as well. So when you add all that up, you think, well, there's not a lot going for Scunthorpe, really. So, so yeah, I think it is a good game for, for, for Newport to get back on track. Scunthorpe are aggressive. You know, they'll, they'll put, it, put it about. Um and they'll be competitive, I'm sure. But I just, I just don't see any punch. 
in the team. You know, who's going to score them the goals? No, I don't think anyone scored more than one. And actually, I looked at who's who's got the assists so far this season. How many games in are we? About ten. Had two goals, nine games, I think, into the season. Two goals have had actual assists for Scunthorpe. I mean, it's <laughs> that shows you how uncreative they are. Um, I'm going for Scunthorpe uh, for for Newport to win this game. I think it's time, Matt. I don't know what you think, but I think producer Abby needs to mock up uh, Clarkey on Shakira and he can do a rendition of The Stats Don't Lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a feature begging to be made. Uh, it yeah, is. We will it make is, that happen yeah. before the end of the season. Um, one of my favourite hat-tricks, by the way, it's just come to me, Marlon Harewood against Gillingham, 4-1 at the City Ground back in 2002. Absolutely sensational. Uh, he was nearly in tears, bless him, when he got the third. Good times. Abby, what are the odds for the game that we were just talking about between Newport and Scunthorpe, please? Paddy are with Adrian and backing uh, Newport on this one. They are 8-11 to 11 to beat Scunthorpe with Scunthorpe uh, at 15-4, to 4, the draw 12-5. to 5. And uh, returning to a previous conversation, um, if you fancy putting your some money behind who you think the next James Bond will be, uh, Tom Hardy is Paddy's favourite at 7-4. to 4, But my personal choice is Reggae Jean Page and he comes in at 5-2. to two. Don't want Tom Hardy anywhere near that, by the way. He's uh, he's far too good to be doing Bond. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Uh, right, before we go, it's the return of that thing we used to do where I asked the boys something that happened in their glorious careers with the help of our old friend Soccer Base. Uh, in fact, shout out to listener Lewis Bell, who after the success of the Priest's Right on Monday offered some TFLS alternative quiz name suggestions. Uh, per Lewis's excellent shout, we'll call this the Crystal MDAs. <laughs> Anyway, questions. Uh, there's a twist this week. You have to answer a question about the other player. Uh, Adrian, you're up first. Mm. <laughs> Earlier, we referenced Sam's appearance for Luton against Huddersfield in a League One game in 2008. Sam played the 90 in that game, but another striker was brought on to help him out. That didn't work. They lost 1-0. Uh, said sub is the father of a current championship defender. Name the dad and son, please. <laughs> Can I steal my own question? <laughs> well, let's, let's give it more than five seconds. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought this was quite defender. an easy one, actually. Really? But there's a lot yeah. of defenders in the Championship. That's true. Um, but think about yeah. strikers who've had sons who are currently defenders. Yeah. Did it? Did it? Yeah, the mind has completely gone blank. I've got, I've got another. Sorry. <laughs> it's a great Sam, question. What? I can't do it justice. Yeah, just mind's gone blank. One of my I feel fa- like this is a big thing for you to play with this guy, Sam. You, you, you're oh, going to tell us who it is. One of my favourite people in football. Paul Furlong and Darnell Furlong. <sighs> Reaction from Clark says it all. He knows that he could and maybe should have got that. Uh, so, Sam, you can win it now. Uh, whilst at Southend, Clarkie played with Martin Margitson. What job does the former Shrimpers custodian currently have? He talks about him on every podcast. He is the... Goalkeeping coach, England? Correct. He was with Swansea City, but he left in the summer. So it's Parkin who takes the points. 
Um, so much easier. So much easier. It's just, uh, yeah, yeah. But do, do you know what, though? Sam Sam needed it. Now, he needed it more than me today. He needed it. He's, he's, had, he's been on a real losing streak. It's fine. It's fine. You, you, you're right. Bitter. You're right. I, I, I didn't get that novel on the priest's right the other day, and I've been beating myself <laughs> up about it. How are you getting on with Tess of the Durbervilles, by the way? Um, uh, prefer Jamie Carragher autobiography still. <laughs> uh, many thanks to Sam, to Adrian, and to Abby for their company today, and to you too, listener. What say we do it all again on Monday? See you then. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.